0: How's it going, my uh, jungle fiends. I hope you're ready to take another step into Thorn's Jungle and uh, hear about what's lurking in there. There's a lot lurking in Thorn's Jungle. I'm here right now. There's weird sort of critters wandering about, jungle beasts. And actually, speaking of beasts, uh, that movie, Beast, that came out recently, it's a typical animal attack movie with a lion I haven't seen it yet but I've been wanting to see it for ages finally I'm going to watch it over this weekend and I'm so excited I just got like a new soundbar and subwoofer and stuff for my TV so like the bass is booming so that lion's raw Uh, I'm going to feel it internally I'm going to feel it deep inside so I'm hell looking forward to that I'm going to get lots of snacks and junk food and settle in to watch that um yeah uh today's episode's going to be pretty interesting we got some cool topics that listeners have sent in um we've got a regular on the show uh christian if you remember he called in about the bonobos having sex with each other oh no well oral sex <laughs> hey eating ain't cheating nah that's that's not true um, so he's got another story about bonobos doing bonobo things <laughs> and we've got some really cool topics and funnily enough a couple of the emails were very similar subjects, so I'm gonna cover them as well. It seems like at my episodes now, like they're just gonna be me talking about listener topics, questions, and interesting stories. Um, if I don't get many emails and call-ins or anything I will do a like a separate topic but it just I love sitting here answering your questions and talking about cool stuff that you send me so keep on sending them in and giving me material to talk about because you know I could talk about animals forever so I love when somebody asks me something cool or uh, sends me an interesting topic to talk about so send them in email either a voice recording or just a written thing to adam at biothorn.com.au or just DM me on Instagram. You can send voice recordings from there and I can take it from there and take the audio and put it on here. Okay, so the first listener topic we've got is an email one. So it's written and it reads... Hey Adam, first of all, I want to say I'm a huge fan of your podcast and Kings of Pain, hoping for a season 3, but anyway, I wanted to know if you could talk about animal hybrids, specifically man-made ones like the liger, do you think it's a good idea? Also all the other genetically modified animals we've made, do you think it's okay or should we leave it up to mother nature? Me, personally, I believe it's against the natural order, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Your friend from Oregon, Hunter Brandt. He's a 17-year-old. Cool question. Cool topic as well. Um, obviously, humans have uh, cross-bred animals and made hybrids like the liger. The liger is a cross between a lion and a tiger. The lion being the male and the female tiger, a tigress. And what that does is uh, it does something with the genetics, like there's a bit of, there's a gene missing where the liger basically has what's called indeterminate growth. So it just keeps on growing until it dies. And that makes them grow to bloody enormous sizes, like 900 pounds. Uh, if it's reverse, so if it's the, uh, if the tiger is the dad and the um, lion is the mum. It'll be reversed. It's like it actually is dwarfed. Um, but things that come... like Issues medically that come with some of these hybrids is pretty bad. Like with ligers, for example. Because they get so big, their bones and joints just have a lot of issues. that um, comes with being so big. But in the wild, there are hybrids as well. So it's not just a man-made thing. We have... Uh, cetaceans crossbreeding Um, there's narwhals and belugas so whales and dolphins that are cetaceans I should probably say Um, so we have narwhals and belugas crossbreeding very rarely but it happens and um, creating hybrids Uh, there's a growler bear which is a grizzly bear cross polar bear Um, that happened naturally in the wild I um, actually recently did an Instagram post about a, two separate species of monkeys crossbreeding. A proboscis monkey, which is... You know those monkeys that have the massive gobbly blob noses? That's the proboscis monkey. And a silvery langer. So they've crossbred and created an infant as well. So it's not just a man-made thing. I mean, nature is a mad scientist as well oh god I was waiting for when the dogs would start people outside working and talking so loudly how dare they um, yes yeah, so, so hybrids happen naturally as well it's not just humans but humans do tend to you know they want these designer animals and I think when it comes to crossbreeding to a point where the animal suffers because of that then I am against it. You know, if you're creating a hybrid that has all these issues and doesn't live a long, happy life, then yeah, I've I've definitely got an issue with that. Um, And that happens with selective breeding as well. Like you look at dog uh, breeds, like the pugs and things like that. They're bred to... Speaking of dogs, Oi! Peach, you'll be a pug soon. Hey, you stop it now. Peach, scram. Oh, it's a bloody mailman. Okay, I'm back. Uh, as I was saying with dogs like pugs, um, they're bred to have their snouts so pushed in that it actually restricts their, br- their breathing. And when you restrict a dog's breathing, um, obviously they don't sweat, so they need to pant to uh, disperse heat and get rid of, get rid of any excess heat and that becomes an issue for dogs like pugs because when they're panting they can't get rid of that heat as efficient as a dog with a long snout and they don't do too well in in hot weather and their eyes have issues like they pop out and things like that um so yeah there are hybrids and selective breeding that goes on that can be deemed cruel so great question um some hybrids can be good good in the sense of like they can live fine but there's no real po- like conservation wise no real point unless you're just doing it for show uh, but it does happen in the wild so thanks for that question man um yeah if you have any more send them in okay next we have another bonobo story from Christian uh, he's worked with primates a lot um and as you all know I, I love my primates um So yeah, take it away, Christian.
1: Hey, mate. So this is uh, another one from Bonobos. So in Bonobos communities, you can see uh, most of the time that the female has her own family. So it's the adult female, the juvenile, and the little infant. So that's why most of the time, that's the pattern that you can see so this is the story of akbaya and her son so her son his name is ananasi so the thing i mean mean bonos the thing that akbaya used to the first time that i saw that i was like Parse, que so akbaya used to take uh, ananasi her son close to her and I started doing the genital rubbing, the two of them. And it lasts a few seconds, sometimes almost a minute or something like that. So I was there like quite shocking. I was like, okay, Abaya, this is your son. But whatever, who knows? So yeah, with time, it was quite normal to see this behavior between them. And then after a while, after a couple of months, she gave birth a new infant so it was okay this is an amazing new we have a new bonoa, da, da, da. and then <laughs> one day I was taking data and Adbaya came back to uh, to take Ananasi close to her and then start doing this ruin session again <laughs> the funny thing is when I was taking data Watching the scene between them, I was able to see the little head of the new baby coming out in the middle from the middle of them. So <laughs> the whole thing was just funny, like Mom and his older son having sex and the little infant with them there. so I was it was funny, shocking, weird,, uh, but yeah, as I say bonobos so yeah bonobos are amazing and crazy and yeah I love them I do love them so yeah there you go best
0: (laughs) Jesus Christ um (laughs) (laughs) I love how uh, Chris goes yeah but you know that's bonobos because yeah it certainly is um I'm sure working with bonobos for a while nothing really surprises you with the stuff they get up to um And a mother and son bonobo rubbing each other's genitals. I'd like to say that, you know, that's a rare thing, but I'm sure bonobos do it quite a lot. I know they do genital rubbing uh, just in general to each other. I haven't heard much of it between, you know, mother and son, but obviously it does happen. And like I said, uh, for us to look at that through human eyes, we'd be like, oh, that's some sort of sexual incest thing. Uh, But but for bonobos, it probably isn't. It's more of a social thing, more a bonding tool, uh, especially um, because bonobos are so social. uh, Their entire society is built on being social, being able to get along with each other, and I, and if we can, if we anthropomorphize them, and say, oh, it's they just love having sex. It probably that wouldn't be right, because we have put the taboo on sex. That okay, it's for, you know, making love or just basically getting your rocks off. But in bonobo society, I'm sure they enjoy it, <laughs> to a certain degree. But for them, it's, I guess it's more of a, a bonding tool. You know, like grooming is with other apes like chimpanzees and things um bonobos do that but they also yeah do sexual things as well uh to bond with each other and seeing that the little baby which i guess is the other bonobos younger brother right in the middle of that (laughs) jesus oh what a sight um but yeah man bonobos thank you for sending that in chris uh send send more in uh you i know you've got a cool story about a bot fly and i will if we have time i'll play that um because i i love bot flies i've got this w- little fetish that i kind of want to bot fly because you know i like watching them pimple popping videos and this is like next level uh so if we have time i'll play that at the end if not uh that'll be on next week's episode but thank you chris Okay. our next question comes from Claire now Claire painted this amazing painting for me uh with all the animals from season one on kings of pain on it and uh she sent that to me and I have it hanging here in my study and it is such an amazing painting like the detail on these animals are just next level like if if you take a step back they look like photographs it's such a cool painting and has like the kings of pain logo in the middle um so yeah claire's a really talented uh painter and artist and yeah thanks again for for doing that because it, it's yeah it's a it's a piece of art man it's really cool uh so claire's sent in uh, a question as well she's a fellow australian so uh here's claire's question hi adam it's claire from adelaide here i don't know if you remember me but i painted the kings of pain po- uh painting for you i hope it's still serving you well um my question is uh what do you think about the proposal about bringing back the thylacine or the tasmanian tiger uh utilizing fat tail dun dna do you think it's actually possible and would there be any problems with reintroducing this animal into the Tasmanian environment um, in relation to the Tasmanian devil and having two big carnivores in such a small environment? Um, looking forward to when season two of Kings of Pain comes around to Australia. Thanks. Thank you, Claire. Um, great question because this is... Uh... A subject I've been taking a lot of interest in over the past few months it's become quite uh, it's gotten a lot of traction on social media and media outlets and another question I got emailed to me um, is from Patricia and it involves a thylacine as well but she asks all the way from Hawaii here's my podcast question I've seen documentaries on the supposed extinct Tasmanian tiger there's many eyewitnesses, but no concrete findings to say otherwise. My question to you is... Oh my god, them dogs! Jesus Christ. My question to you, are they extinct? Or have you participated in any explorations to find one alive? Thank you, Patricia. So what I'll do is, because they're both thylacine related, I'll just, I'll talk about both. Um, they're both really cool questions. So basically, this company in the United States um, called Colossal are planning on bringing back the thylacine, the Tasmanian tiger, back from extinction. Um, they've got a lot of funding. I think it's like 60 or $70 million uh, from, I don't know, some billionaire investor or something like that. And they are like a biotech company and they've enlisted scientists from Australia to help them out Uh, obviously the Tasmanian tiger is an Australian marsupial so I guess an Australian scientist would be you know kind of a no-brainer to get involved with that and what they want to do is um, there is a pup or no, a joey actually a lot of people say pups but baby marsupial is a joey Uh, so a baby thylacine that has been preserved in I guess ethanol and they were able to extract like basically all the DNA from it like a really good sample of DNA and it was basically they could figure out the entire genome there are parts missing that they will fill in with fat tailed dunnart DNA in fact, our dunnarts are the closest living relative to the thylacine. Uh, I know numbats are very close, um, but they, they look so, so different. It's like night and day. Dunnarts are tiny. I've seen them in the wild. They're, they're super... They're little little animals, right? Um, and basically, like, you know, in Jurassic Park, they uh, mosquito suck the blood of the dinosaur, then get preserved in amber, and they're able to extract the... Dino DNA from the mosquito and then fill in the genetic code with frog DNA. I guess that's kind of similar with what, what Colossal want to do. They want to also use CRISPR as well, which is a, like a genetic uh, coding sort of technology where they can manipulate genes um, to do certain things. So they will... Basically, manipulate the Dunner genes and DNA to basically look just like the genome and DNA of a thylacine uh, to fill in the gaps. And then there's the issue of how do you, how do, how do you, where do you gestate this embryo? If they get a viable embryo, where do they gestate? Where do they put, what do they put it into uh, to develop as a fetus? And to use a Dunart, they would have to insert it, and once the thing's very early in development, they would, I guess they'll have, they'll have to take it out because follicle <laughs> embryo is gonna gonna burst that Dunart open. So they want to make a simulation pouch, like a replica marsupial pouch. So I think that's like the next thing they're working on. But they originally started off wanting to bring back the woolly mammoth and the woolly mammoth is another extinct animal that has, they've got pretty good DNA out of, um, they're, they're preserved in permafrost throughout Siberia and up in Alaska and things like that. So they have pretty good DNA from them. But the thing is with woolly mammoths, like all elephants, their gestation period is so long, like 18 to 22 months so w- they kind of focusing on the thylacine because marsupial's gestation periods are like a matter of weeks so it's super fast and uh, like there's the issue of would it be a thylacine you know because it's being it's got dunart DNA in it you know the gen- genomes being filled in with dunart stuff and they're going to try and manipulate it to the point where it replicates the thylacine as much as possible but i think the mitochondrial dna will still be that of a dunner so it's not going to be a thylacine it will be close like pretty damn close to a thylacine but it's mainly it's a creation you know it's a genetically engineered creation it will i mean they can make it look like what however it wants that whatever the hell they want it to look like um but it won't be a thylacine and my issue was like how are you going to get like to release these back into the wild how are you going to get the genetic diversity how are you going to get it so it's not just like it carries the genes of just one single animal it's just genetic bottlenecking there uh but they reckon they can use CRISPR to tamper with the genes to make them diverse enough so i guess if they breed in the wild there's no risk of like severe inbreeding or muddy gene pools being created there um do I think it's a good idea man I would love to see a thylacine walking around hell yeah I would love that do I think that it's gonna work <laughs> probably not I'd, I'd I'm like 60 40 on it I'm like 40 percent of me thinks that yeah it could work 60 percent of it's like... There's a lot of obstacles that they're going to hit with this. A lot, um, and if they even get to the point where they have viable thylacines or thylacine-like animals, how will it go releasing them back into back into the Tasmanian wilderness? Um, to be honest, it will, it probably would work because Tasmanian tigers uh, apparently went extinct in like the '30s, but they definitely lived there were definitely still individuals walking around up until like at least the 60s from my opinion uh, there, there were some really good reliable sightings of them um and i mean for an animal to be declared extinct there needs to be no confirmed sightings for like 50 years so technically it didn't go officially extinct until the 80s um but I, I think if you release thylacines back into Tasmania, that would fare pretty well because it hasn't been long enough in their extinction for really the animals to adapt to not having an either an even larger predator like a thylacine uh, in their habitat. So it probably wouldn't outcompete Tasmanian devils as much as you'd probably think. Um, but there's also like the issue with the Tasmanian devils of their the cancerous growths that they get. So it's like a viral cancer that, you know, over fifty percent of these Tasmanian devils have. And it's it's wiping them out. Um and because they're being because of this cancer, wiping them out, these tumors, introducing a large predator that could compete with them even more might be a bad idea. If they didn't have this issue going on with the cancers, then it probably would have been fine Tasmanian tigers and devils they evolved right, like with each other but you know introducing another large predator back into Tasmania could be the straw that breaks the devils back you know um, so that's another thing that they really need to be careful with um, and this leads me into the next question uh, do I think thylacines still exist uh did they actually go extinct in the first place um i'm so up in the air with it like some some days i'll be like man they they got to still be out there other days i'm like yeah i don't know i don't know anymore i definitely think they lived in up until the 60s um maybe into the 70s maybe even like up into the 1990s there might have been a few floating around uh but i just think that i don't know there's something inside me that says there's there's none left anymore and and it sucks because i've got to separate myself from like do i want them to be there or what's the actual realistic uh scenario of them actually still being there and, and you know Tasmania is it's a big island like in the grand scheme of things it is a huge island and there is a lot of forested areas there. there is a lot of areas where people just don't go so there could I mean very possibly be little scattered populations of them out there um, and I hope there is I really do because man I love thylacines and I want to see a thylacine be brought back but I mean of course I do how cool would I want to see a dinosaur get brought back like that would be amazing but conservation wise I just don't see how it it really is going to help anything Um, but it would be a good sort of test to see if they can actually do it because if they can do it successfully, then they can help animals that are that still exist that are borderlining on extinction. So if like an animal that has such low numbers, like you know, are more leopards or something like that, then being able to do something like this could, you know, boost that population up. But I think like. It's not really getting to the root cause of why animals are getting going extinct. You can create all the animals under the sun and re-release them, but if there's nowhere for them to live, then what the hell's the point? And that's the biggest issue is habitat loss for these animals. That's why they're going extinct. So don't create an animal to bring it back from extinction only to just bloody let it go into an area that's just going to end up overcrowding it because it's already occupied by another or or leopard for example they have big ranges so I guess it, it's it's a good reasoning behind it but it, it just isn't getting to the root cause of of what the actual issue is and speaking of thylacines as well um, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence of them existing still to this day in uh, West Papua, Papua New Guinea um, and we know that Papua New Guinea is vastly unexplored and a lot of the locals talk about a striped dog that roams around there still to this day so who knows, it could still exist in the mountain mountainous regions of West Papua um, and, and I hope that we do find evidence that there are thylacines still around uh, I know there's footprints and very ambiguous photos and i don't want to get into that um but yeah until that day comes then i'm going to remain uh a healthy skeptic on it um healthy skeptic doesn't mean i don't believe it's not there it just means that uh until something really convincing comes out then I will stay I'll stay on the fence about it I really want them to exist and I think there's a decent chance they might still exist and I think there's still a chance that they can bring them back it's just the way they go about it so yeah it I know it's not I'm, I'm beating around the bush and procrastinating about like you know whether or not I should make up my mind about what I believe but it's not what I believe in um, because my belief doesn't mean anything it's what is real uh, and yeah i'm, I'm kind of 50 50 with the thylacine still existing and i'm 40 60 of the thylacine de-extinction program actually actually happening okay so great topics great questions i've been wanting to talk about this for a, a while and uh thanks for giving me the opportunity to well, it looks like we've got time for uh, Chris's botfly story. Um, I was kind of hoping we would still have time for it because, yeah, it's it's disgusting, <laughs> but awesome in a disgusting way. So here it is.
1: Hey, mate! This time I will tell you the story of how I almost gave birth to a fly. So this was in. 2017 when i was working in the amazon with the spider monkeys there so one day i start feeling a funny pain in my shoulder like if someone was picking me with a needle on my shoulder it was like every hour or so so in my mind was okay this is kind of funny Mm, i just let it be Uh, i just keep going working and then after two days or three days i decide to take a look. And then it was a red spot, uh, quite swollen. So in my mind was like, okay, maybe uh and buy that just get infected or something like that. So I just let it be, I say, okay, my body can do the work and it's gonna be fine. And the pain continued like this. Like with the needle every hour. at the time, And then I started to note that in my t-shirt uh there was like blood and push all um, where the red spot was. So in my mind was okay maybe the infection is blowed and everything is coming out. So I take a look and then I saw there was a hole there and it's still swollen it's swollen it's still red so I just, suddenly I saw that from the hole something white was coming out and moving and then coming in again and doing the same. Coming out again, something white. And then I was like, that fuck is that? <laughs> Take a look and it turns out that it's a bug fly. So this is the larvae of a fly that goes into your skin and starts growing Inside. The thing is that you cannot take it out right away. You need to let it grow a little bit so you are able to take it out. So I let it grow maybe for another four days and it was disgusting because it's an open wound and then you have blood coming out, pus coming out, and then you have this pain. And then this needle pain is when this larvae is feeding from you so it's like basically it's when it bites so it was all the time that day i was going to the field like this and when it was time so the solution was to put a nail polish on the hole and then put duct tape on top so the larvae cannot breathe I, i stay like that for the whole day and then in the afternoon i decided to take a look and then when i saw that i saw that the larvae has the tip this white tip out so i said okay this thing is still alive but i just decided to squish and then it didn't come in again so that means that it was dead. So I just continued, squishing, squishing, squishing. And then suddenly, the thing was shot into the mirror. And it was with blood and pus. And the whole scene was disgusting. It was like, and you know, like in movies, when aliens just come out from something or from the skin, it was, uh, the whole scene was totally disgusting. And then it was huge. The thing was huge. It was almost a fly. So yeah um basically that's how I almost gave birth to a fly one day in the Amazon but yeah parasites are funny and it's just part of the experience of working in the forest but yeah there you go that's how I a fly almost came out of from me
0: oh that's so creepy um yeah so bot flies uh, I mean, the larval stage of a fly is a maggot, right? But this fly, its maggot grows inside animals, and sometimes inside humans. And you might sort of have like a you know kind of painful spot. looks looks a bit like a big pimple or a mosquito bite. And then, as Chris was saying, start getting the stabbing pains. like somebody's putting a needle inside you and that's like the maggot developing inside your body and feeding inside you and as Chris was saying you can't pull it out too early because if you try to pull it out and end up breaking it then the dead maggot or broken up maggot inside you would cause a really bad infection so you have to just let it grow and develop in your skin in your flesh and once it gets to a certain size, then you can either pull it out with tweezers or just squeeze it and pop it out like Chris did, and it came flying out and hit the mirror. <laughs> oh, I've got this like really sick thing where like I kind of want one. I kind of want to have one. Like it would just be so gross, but gnarly at the same time. Like, and they're big maggots. Like surprisingly big and the hole they leave when they come out is it looks like a bloody bullet hole Uh, but ultimately they're not that uh, dangerous right so once they finish developing inside your body if you just left them then they'll crawl out and fly away because they'll turn into a fly inside you Uh, it's just the risk of infection from that open hole is the main factor Um, but like just the fact of feeling those, like, like what Chris was saying—the needle pricks. That's it, like biting inside you, like eating. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so awesome, but cool at the same time. Um, yeah, bloody botflies, eh? You hear about them all the time. Like they normally attach themselves to, you know, ungulates, like you know, forest-dwelling animals, monkeys, and things like that, but. Yeah, I think in a human, because we, we're we basically hairless, you can just see it so much easier and see its like head coming in and out. and Oh, oh I'm glad we had time for that story. That's bloody great. And uh, yeah, thanks, man. Like I'm loving your stories. I'm loving them. Keep sending them. And again, if anybody has any cool story, question, topic you want me to talk about, answer, then send them in. Um yeah I'm, I'm loving them and i think it's a really cool cool thing to add to the podcast and if you haven't already subscribed on spotify or any apple like the apple podcast or any podcast platform then subscribe and and give me a rating because uh yeah it, it helps a lot it really does and it takes two seconds i mean come on But, I mean, if I start getting more topics, questions, and things like that, then, you know, I could even do two episodes a week. Uh, I could do one where it's just answering listener questions or topics, um, and the other episode talking about, like, a specific topic. So, yeah, if you want to hear more episodes, then send in some stories, and, yeah, give give us a rating as well. Um... Yeah, I'll see you all next week. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm going to enjoy my weekend watching Beast. I'm so looking forward to it. And I'll see you next time on Thorn's Jungle.